are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Coors Light because we all need to chill right now. Things are going on. Christmas is here. Got to do Christmas shopping. Some of you may or may not have done it already. But it's crazy times for all of us. And that's why when we need to just chill out, we reach for the beer that's made to chill. And that is Coors Light. There's so many sports going on right now. We still got college football. We got the NFL. We got basketball coming up. It doesn't matter. But when we're watching these games, we want to relax. We want to kick back. And that's what Coors Light is all about. It's cold lager, cold filtered, and cold packaged. And it's literally made to chill and it's the one i choose when i need to unwind so when you want to hit the reset button reach for the beer that's made to chill and you can get coors light and the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com celebrate responsibly coors brewing company golden colorado we have a very special guest here on the podcast we were able to catch up with barrett jones of uh espn radio and also a former alabama offensive lineman here on uh, out of bounds earlier today Great interview and really interesting stuff because he was a guy that was under Nick Saban and won three national championships in his tenure at Alabama. It's just stupid. But also gives a lot of insight in Arkansas and what he thinks about Sam Pittman in his first year. So without further ado, let's go to the phone lines and welcome in Barrett Jones of ESPN Radio. Barrett, appreciate you joining us, man. How you doing? What's up, guys? How we doing? Look, I, I, love, uh, I love Arkansas. Every time I go there, I love the people. I like the state. Uh, so I'll be on any time. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. We appreciate you coming on. And uh, obviously you being a guy who played at Alabama recently and played under Nick Saban, I'm sure you've had a chance to watch him a lot this year. Undefeated. Seems like just another day at the office for him. But uh, what do you make of this team and Mac Jones? And uh, are they? how do you feel about their chances of winning another national championship there in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, I have. I've gotten a chance to call them three times this year uh, on ESPN Radio. And it's, it's – uh, it's really a pretty amazing story, I think, in a lot of ways. I mean, look, I think on the surface it's very boring. Alabama's undefeated again. But there are some really good storylines in this, this Alabama team. I mean, I think uh, they have the best offense that probably they've ever had at Alabama. Uh, they're, they're really strong at every position group. Their offensive line is one of the best in the country. Um, look, they're probably going to have the Bolitnikoff winner and the Doak Walker Award winner and possibly the Heisman winner. I mean, if you think about that, it's pretty wild. Uh, and possibly like the Outland Trophy and maybe uh, the uh, the Remington Trophy too. Like that uh, that sounds. Maybe I have too many Bama glasses on, but I have a pretty good uh, pulse on who the favorites are in all those awards. And I think they've got a good chance to win some of those. And maybe the Thorpe Award. Maybe Patrick Sertan will win that. <laughs> so look, they've they've got as about as talented of a group as I can remember. Maybe not defensively. They've really took some taken some time to develop, uh, but they've gotten a lot better defensively. But offensively. They're, they're almost a perfect football team. Look, I, I know, again, uh, I hope I don't sound biased here because I, I really uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not saying that of uh, the fact that I went to Alabama. They're just – if you're going to beat Alabama this year, you better be ready to score 40 points because I, I don't see any defense in the country holding them below 40 with just the way they're executing right now at such a high level. What's it like being around Coach Saban at this time of the year? Because we know that he's always keeping the team focused, but – as he talks about, there's some outside noise, there's rat poison. What's it like being around him this time of the year where the season is wrapping up and you're trying to make that championship run? I think it depends on the team, honestly. Um, Coach Saban is very big on 
telling the guys what they need to hear, you know, and when they need to hear it. So a lot of times that leads to him saying things that, you know, may surprise you. Like everyone used to always ask me after we would lose games, would Coach Saban chew us out? And the reality is normally he wouldn't. Normally he'd be pretty encouraging because he understood that that was the time that we were down and the team needed encouraging. And normally the times he would get frustrated are when you didn't play up to your capacity or your potential uh, and you were sloppy. And so uh, from everything I've heard him say this year and, the people I've talked to in the Alabama building, this is a team that's extremely locked in and focused. Uh, I think they're frustrated with how things ended last year uh, and the way they lost to LSU and Auburn. Uh, and I think you can see that in the way they avenged those two losses. Uh, but honestly, ever since the Ole Miss game, uh, where they got embarrassed a little bit defensively, they have been as locked in as any team in the country. And uh, they, they have that very business-as-usual Alabama look right now where – uh, they don't get too excited or too too up or too down. They pretty much just kind of stay in the middle. And, you know, what they've been doing offensively, again, it's, it's been pretty amazing to watch. And Mac Jones, for a guy who uh, a lot of people thought wouldn't start coming into the year, a lot of people, uh, you know, thought that, that the five-star Bryce Young would come in and be out Mac Jones. He's really been – it's another Joe Burrow-type story where, you know, he was a, a good quarterback last year, but he's turned into one of the best quarterbacks in the country this year, uh, just the efficiency in which he's playing with. So, uh, it, it's been fun to watch, and again, I think that uh, they really don't care who the opponent is right now. They're just they're locked in, and certainly have their their eyes on one mission, and that's one of the national championships. Well, you made mention of it, but I'm going to ask this stupid question either way because I know the answer, but I think it's funny because Arkansas fans kind of know that Alabama is more than likely going to win this game, but I guess their hopes are maybe just maybe Nick Saban and Bama's overlooking Arkansas, looking towards that SEC championship game against Florida. What are the chances that is actually going on? And how would you say Nick Saban handles and makes sure that his team stays motivated on the task at hand and saying, hey, don't look ahead. we got to take care of business this weekend in Fayetteville. Yeah, look, well, first of all, I I think that uh, Coach Saban, I know Coach Saban, really, really respects the staff, um, respects the job that they're going to do, and uh, knows it's going to be a physical game. Let me talk about Arkansas for a second since you brought them up. Like, I, I can't tell you. I know that you know, now the record maybe that doesn't look too sexy just because it's obviously an all-ITC schedule. But the, the turnaround to Arkansas this year has been unbelievable. Uh, just And not, not only in the record department, which that's been good too, but just in the, the way they're competing, the way the guys are playing, the effort and energy. I mean, you know, they're, they're not an upper half roster-wise as far as talent. I don't think that's any secret. Uh, but they're getting as much out of their roster as anyone in the SEC this year. So, you got to take your hat off the job they've done. They've had some absolutely brilliant schematic moments, uh, I thought, too. I think they've done a great job. Uh, you got to give Stan Pittman a ton of credit for bringing that kind of energy. And you got to give Barry Odom credit. What I'm really interested to see is how Barry Odom plays Alabama because I think he's one of the best defensive minds out there. Uh, and I know he'll try to come up with a strategy. Look, I, one, one interesting thing about Alabama this year is, is and again, I, I, I almost hate coming on shows and talking about Alabama because it just it sounds like I'm. I'm an Alabama homer, but I just have to call it like I see it. And this year their offense is good. But uh, I, they really haven't even had the game plan that much. Like, honestly, they've just kind of gone out. I'm sure they have game plans. But they've pretty much just gone out and ran, run the same offense every week. They're just they're that good, and they know when they execute it well uh, that they'll score points because they can run the ball and throw it. They have a good old line. Now they even have a good tight end that came out of nowhere and do a little building. So I'm really interested to see the way that uh, Barry Odom chooses to attack them uh, and how he chooses to create matchups. and you know, kind of who he tries to take away. That's, that's going to be an interesting storyline to me. So 
yeah, I do think that could happen. I think, look, they're still humans, and I think they certainly can look ahead to Florida. Uh, and I know that Coach Saban is harping on just how good this team is and has shown them some instances this, earlier this year where they've embarrassed other teams, and uh, certainly that it doesn't want that to happen to this team. Well, we know that Alabama has strengths across the board, but if there is a flaw somewhere, uh, uh, somewhere maybe you could exploit from an opponent's standpoint, where would that be? Yeah, good question. I think that uh, you know, the one thing about Alabama this year is defensively, I, I, they, they really in that front seven have not been what you're used to seeing Alabama was. Now they have some some big names there, uh, you know, linebacker Dylan Moses, Christian Harris. You know, they're they're, they're good players. Haven't maybe cl- played quite as good as I would have expected, particularly Dylan Moses. Uh, they've gotten better throughout the season. A guy towards ACL last year, so let's give him some credit. Yeah, but they don't really have that dominant D lineman now. They've got a freshman named Will Anderson who's coming up, but he's a true freshman. Uh, he's been a guy who's, who's made some plays lately. But really, you're used to seeing them have a game record type guy across the defensive line, and they really they don't have that guy right now. Um, so, I, you know, their front seven to me is, is a little bit um, it's a little bit attackable. And then the other part I would say is just the middle of that field. I think um, their safeties are, are okay. Um, Daniel Wright, the, the free safety, I think is. Uh, you know, is is okay. He's a little consistent. Jordan Battles played pretty well at times, but when I've seen teams hit big plays on him, it's normally down the middle of the field. Um, so I would say that's kind of the soft spot for me. Really, is uh, the fact they don't have an elite pass rusher. They've had to use more pressure this year to get to the quarterback, and the fact that you know in the middle of the field matching up with uh, you know tight ends and, and running backs and uh, wide receivers in the slot sometimes they've struggled when they're playing zone coverage. We'll continue our discussion with Barrett Jones here in just a second. But, folks, i got to tell you about Built Bar. It is so amazing. It's even more delicious than any of us could have possibly fathomed because they have 18 different flavors. And if you're going to try to watch what you're eating and be a little healthier and be health conscious and all that stuff, why wouldn't you want to have something that tastes amazing that's also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber? seems to me Built Bar is the only way to do it. Not only that, but it's extremely convenient. We're all on the go. We're trying to make time, but eating healthy takes time. But luckily with Built Bar, you can eat it on the go. It's so easy. It's so good, and it is so healthy. And because of you listening to this podcast, we're offering you a special deal where if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. It's simple as that. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20%. You can buy out the entire store, all the Built Bars that they have up there, Buy them out, make it happen because, hey, once you do that, you're taken care of, folks. You won't be disappointed. Again, builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off your next order. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Speaking with Barrett Jones, former Alabama offensive lineman and analyst for college football on ESPN Radio right now on Out of Bounds. Uh, Barrett, you, you mentioned Arkansas, and you mentioned Sam Pittman, and the job he's done in Arkansas, and I agree with you. I think everybody in Arkansas agrees with you. It's been great, and they can't wait to see how it all plays out. But you're a former offensive lineman, and Sam Pittman's been an offensive line coach his whole career, essentially, and you just don't see opportunities like that come up for offensive line coaches. Do you feel like, as you being an offensive lineman and being around some great coaching and all that, do you feel like there should be – more of an effort to look at offensive line coaches for head coaching jobs, especially in the Power Five? I, I think absolutely, 100% yes. I think that um, right now there is uh, a lot of really great leaders of men that are being looked over for sexier names, you know, that are 
uh, especially all young offensive guys. That's kind of the trend right now. Look, some of these young offensive guys are brilliant, uh, but some of them aren't, and some of them probably don't deserve to be head coaches. And uh, I, I tend to, I think that we've lost sight a little bit in, in coaching, just how important the leadership aspect and the character development aspect is. Uh, and I think that's something that Sam Pittman is as good as anybody in the country at it. I know Sam Pittman recruited me to North Carolina back in the day. Uh, I've talked to him when he was coach. I've, I've, I've known Sam Pittman for a long time and have a lot of respect for him. And as a guy who absolutely I would want to play for and I want my son to play for someday. So uh, I absolutely think that that's a great point. And I think that I do think that you'll see, you know, everything goes cyclically. And right now the, the, the trend is to go hire a young offensive mind. Uh, you know, I think that in some ways that trickle down, you know, from the, the NFL, you've seen guys like Sean McVay get hired, Matt LaFleur, who's the Packers coach, even Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of the Cardinals. Uh, that's kind of trickled down to college a little bit. But I do think that, uh, you know, we will see uh, things swing back to normal a little bit more uh, over the over the future, especially with the kind of burnout rate uh, for some of these younger guys. So, again, not the point is I'm not saying that, that these younger guys are all not deserving. I'm just saying some of them are. And I think a lot of, of really good candidates who are great leaders and who have more of the CEO-type approach are being overlooked uh, for those kind of guys. Well, with coaching uh, for offensive line, you definitely have, have a great technique that makes a difference. And, Barry, you played different positions on that offensive line. So where was your favorite place to play on the offensive line, and what's the most difficult position to play? Oh, we're, that's, that's tough um, because I really enjoyed all of them in their own way. Um, the most difficult, I would say, physically is left tackle, without a doubt. I mean, it's, it's a tough position. You're on an island most of the time. Uh, the most difficult uh, from a mental standpoint is probably center. Um, you know, I enjoyed that mentally. But I, I really enjoyed left tackle. That was a fun year. Uh, we, uh, I, I just I enjoyed the challenge of it. I'm really not a good enough athlete to play left tackle, but uh, I just uh, my technique had to be really, really perfect, uh, and I just had to figure out a way to block guys. So I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. And uh, it, it's just uh, you really only have yourself to depend on out there. So yeah, I, I, it's, it, but it was fun getting the chance to play them all and really getting an opportunity to see the game from several different perspectives. So uh, once again, looking at this Arkansas Alabama game, it's going to be an interesting one, and we don't really get many games in you know, mid December that we uh, that we get to look forward to and to see. Uh, a great matchup between these two teams. But, uh, you know, just looking back at the Arkansas perspective, and I don't know how much you've been able to watch from them, but uh, a guy like Felipe Franks, a, a transfer quarterback that comes in and, and takes over a team, I think he's been the difference maker in this team just being a leader. But it seems like more and more in college football we're starting to see transfers and the transfer portal and quarterbacks stepping right in and being these guys. I mean, even a guy like Jalen Hurts, for instance, left Alabama to go to Oklahoma and end up doing really well there. Do you think that that's just the way we're going to have to get used to with college football is that, you know, hey, if you have a quarterback leaving, just wait because you may have another quarterback on the way in the transfer portal and may end up working out greatly for you? I do. I think quarterback is probably the position where you're still going to see it work the most in because there only is one guy on the field at a time. Um, yeah, I do think there are a lot of quarterbacks, but really all positions, um, where it doesn't work out. You know, so I don't think it's quite as easy as a lot of people make it out to be. Um, I, I think in general, uh, a, a lot of the position guys I see that are non-quarterbacks that end up leaving, um, you know, there, there's something happened a little bit. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to eventually become great players, but sometimes there's a reason a guy transferred. And uh, so I think there's a balance there. Uh, 
uh, again, I understand the quarterback thing where if you're playing behind a guy that's your same age and, and there's only one guy on the field, uh, why you'd want to possibly go somewhere else. Uh, but but I, I do think that it's not going to be the free agency that people expect. And I, just, I think there's going to be a lot of people that enter the transfer portal uh, that, that have a, especially this year when, when you have this free year essentially, where there's not the, the appetite and the, uh, the appeal and the market that they maybe thought they would be for their services, you know. Uh, so I don't know. I, I I almost in some ways I don't I don't like some aspects of it. I mean I do. I think it there, it, it works out great uh, for some guys, and so that's why it's so difficult because I do think there's there is a, a value to a guy having to fight through adversity uh, and, and you know become a starter and uh, and that's, that's that's always great when that works. And really, football is filled with those kind of situations, and so I, I hesitate to, to be all in on it because I do think there are some situations where if a guy stayed and and grinded and, and went through that adversity that he'd probably be better off for it and he probably would end up playing in that place. And there'll be a lot of guys maybe that make that mistake. But then I also see uh, guys that it really works out for. You know, guys like Felipe Franco, I, I was really glad he got another opportunity to play. Guys like, uh, you know, guys guys like Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of examples you can name. But again, most of them are, a lot of them are quarterback names, honestly, and, and I don't know why. Again, I think part of it's just the fact there's only one of them uh, that, that work out maybe the best. Uh, sometimes because uh, if you can find a good system that you fit in well, then maybe that's a, a better opportunity for you. So I have mixed emotions on it. Well, speaking of quarterbacks and your quarterback at Alabama, Mac Jones, what's been the difference with him this year? We saw him in some action last year, but now he's a, a Heisman Trophy caliber player this year. So is it just the uh, the fact that he's actually playing more and got that experience? What's been the difference? Well, first of all, I'm an unbiased analyst now, so you can't say my quarterback. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just as much for Arkansas as I am Alabama, right? I mean, I'm totally unbiased. Uh, kidding. So uh, I, I think Mac Jones, the biggest difference I've seen for him has been confidence. Uh, I, I think that people forget how important confidence is, uh, how, how vital it is, especially at the quarterback position where you have to diagnose and assess so much information so quickly. And when you're playing in a – Really, with a lot of confidence, you can do that much quicker. Uh, and and man, the, the thing that's really impressed me the most about Mac Jones is his accuracy uh, in that confidence. Is that last the last Adam last game and he, he was at seventy six percent completion percentage. And this is a guy that pushes the ball down the field all the time. So it's not like he's you know playing in a West Coast dump off style offense. He's he's chucking that thing and he's throwing and completing seventy six percent of his passes. That's pretty impressive. I don't care who your receivers are. So. Uh, you got to give Mac Jones a lot of credit. He's been unbelievable this year, uh, and I, I think that that confidence is contagious. And guys sense that in him. And you can just see sometimes when he lets the ball go, he knows exactly where he's putting it. And that he, you know, that some of those uh, kind of almost early celebrations. That that's the kind of confidence when you have as a quarterback. It's a it's a fine line. You know, so you almost want to just a hair of at least internal cockiness from your quarterback because people draw that off that confidence and it makes people confident around you. We'll continue our discussion with Barrett Jones, former Alabama offensive lineman, here in just a second. But first, this. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Well, Barrett, last one before we let you get out of here, man. I think uh, most people are been pretty upset or at least have a lot of strong opinions on with the college football playoff and some of the stuff going on. But the main topic has been Ohio State. And it looks like that the Big Ten is going to change the rules, bend it a little bit for Ohio State to get them into the Big Ten title game. 
and hopefully into the college football playoff. Just in your opinion, what do you think the college football playoff ends up looking like for the four teams? And also, should Ohio State, even though they'll only end up playing six games, if they go 6-0, and do they deserve to be in consideration for the college football playoff? Well, it's a tough one, obviously. Uh, this is going to be the ultimate apples and oranges year. You know, there's, it's not going to be even. It's not going to be equal. It's not going to be fair. Uh, there's going to have to be a lot of eye tests involved. Uh, do I think Ohio State will get in? Absolutely. I absolutely do. They're a national brand. They have a lot of talented players. Uh, they were ranked really high in the preseason polls. Again, all things that shouldn't matter, but let's just be honest, they do. Uh, so I, uh, I think they will get in. Uh, assuming, obviously, that they beat Northwestern. Um, do I have a problem with the Big Ten changing the rules? Not really. Uh, the reality is, and people can fight this all they want, but we've seen this in this pandemic maybe more than ever, is that even though we kind of pretend like we have this thing called college football, the reality is what we really have is five independent conferences that look out for their own interests uh, and do whatever they can do to you know, get the most money for their schools. Which, again, I'm not saying this in a negative way. This is just a fact of life. Uh, and that they all kind of are in a loose federation together along with some other uh, you know, non-Power 5 conferences that don't really have a whole lot in way of votes uh, and that they play football. So, it, look, that's just the way it's set up. And so should we be frustrated about it? I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's the reality of the system right now is that, you know, everyone was frustrated because there wasn't more leadership. Like, that was the complaint I always heard during the – uh, pandemic when the season was maybe not going to start and all that. So someone needs to step up as a leader. Well, the way college football is set up right now, there's not one leader. I mean, the NCAA, I think people are realizing it, they have less power than ever. Uh, in fact, they, they're borderline powerless other than maybe in discipline uh, when it comes to college football. Uh, you know, the, the NCAA doesn't even put on the tournament anymore. That's just all the CFP, right? So uh, it, it is funny the way it all works and the way it's all set up and everyone. You know, they have some joint interests, but a lot of them are individual. And so the Big Ten is in their best interest to have a team in, uh, of course, because they'll get more money for their schools. And so, of course, they're going to change the rules. You know, and I don't think that should, should surprise anyone. The dumb thing to me is that they waited so long to do it. That's what I don't understand why they did that. The Big Ten has made some serious gaffes during this whole thing. And, uh, you know, if I was a Big Ten guy, I would have some serious questions about some of the decision-making and leadership uh, from that standpoint. Uh, but but I'm certainly not surprised they changed the rules because, again, it's going to benefit them. And, look, I, I do think Ohio State will get in. What I expect to happen is Alabama to beat Florida. Uh, I expect uh, Clemson to beat Notre Dame, and I expect those to be the four teams. I expect it to be Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and uh, Ohio State. So that's uh, you know Look, that's chalk. That's no surprise to anyone. But, again, we'll see. And, and college ball rarely turns out exactly like you think it is. So. It's always a wild ride, and maybe it will be this year. Well, appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 